You're listening to Stream of Conscience, Beckett's Religious Liberty Podcast. Today's episode is Orders and Obedience. I'm Hannah Smith, Senior Counsel at the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty. And I'm Katie Geary, a Beckett Fellow. Today we bring you one of Beckett's earliest victories from the days of our founder, Seamus Hassan. It's the story of Catholic, Jewish, and Muslim military chaplains who came together to preserve religious freedom in our nation's armed forces. It's a case that shows how religious exercise and religious speech are inseparable. You can't have one without the other. And we'll see how one man took on the most powerful military in the world and won. So this case was about a group of military chaplains taking on the Pentagon, which was basically trying to censor their preaching. The case is Rigdon against Perry, and I talked to Father Vincent Rigdon of Rigdon against Perry, and I got him to go back in time for us. Before Rigdon against Perry, there was just Vincent Rigdon, the good Catholic boy who grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. He left for college in the late 1960s and went to Columbia University in New York City. And as you can imagine, there were lots of riots and protests, and Vincent was a faithful, law-abiding citizen who loved his country. I could see the radicals had something they believed in very deeply. I believe it was very wrong, but they had something they believed in very deeply. I had something I believed in very deeply. Of course, that something was his faith. Vincent finished up at Columbia University, and when he wasn't drafted for the Vietnam War, he took the natural next step. He got a job. And during that first year out of school, he started thinking. I had been meditating about and considering and praying about the possibility of a vocation to the Catholic priesthood. I graduated from Columbia in 72, and finally in 73, I went into Mount St. Mary's Seminary in Emmitsburg, Maryland. So he decided to become a priest. But what about the military chaplaincy? Well, that part actually happened pretty quickly. And while I'm there, this is my first year of theology, and um, we get a visit from a Catholic chaplain from the Air Force, and he's trying to recruit people for the chaplain candidate program, which is kind of like an internship program. They have seminarians of all the different uh, denominations. Uh, They recruit them into the reserves. It's kind of a trial period, and it makes a lot of sense. You know, if somebody... Uh, doesn't like it, well, you know, okay, they've been in the reserves for, for a few months, like maybe a year or two. They, you know, there's no big deal if they resign. On the other hand, if it clicks, you've got somebody who's got a good start towards a career in the reserves or perhaps in the active force. So they're sort of on a dual track. They're learning to become a priest, but they're also learning how to become a military chaplain. And so in the chaplain candidate program, they didn't teach us theology. They said, you know, you are Catholics, Protestants, Jews. You've all been taught theology. You've all been certified. You know, that's not the question. How do you march? You know, I mean, the basic thing, how do you wear your uniform, the, 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 the nitty gritty and so forth. But then also, how, you know, what are the military customs? What, what is this world we call the military? You know, how do you, it's different from the civilian world. Vincent Rigdon became Father Vincent Rigdon, and he also became Chaplain First Lieutenant Vincent J. Rigdon, United States Air Force Reserve. He was a reservist, which meant he was a part-time chaplain at Andrews Air Force Base. But he was also a priest in a parish in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. So Father Rigdon explained that this was very common. He would perform his ordinary duties as a parish priest, but then he would also minister part-time to members of the military. And this meant that he was able to participate in these service members' lives in a really unique and hands-on way. So for over 20 years, Father Vincent ministered to the military as a chaplain. 
This meant ministering to military service members when, for example, they were in the hospital, and also saying masses for active military congregations nearby. If it seems like I like the Air Force and I like the chaplaincy, I do. But Father Rigdon's service in the chaplaincy corps was marred by shocking government overreach, a Pentagon-imposed gag order that took away his fundamental freedoms of speech and religious exercise. In 1996, President Clinton vetoed the Partial Birth Abortion Ban Act, which had passed in Congress just the year before. Abortion then wasn't any less of a hotly contested issue than it is now. The Partial Birth Abortion Ban Act forbade a specific type of late-term abortion practice. So understandably, the Catholic Church started a campaign. Priests urged their congregants to write to their congressmen and encouraged them to override President Clinton's veto of the act. The campaign was called the Project Life Postcard Campaign. There was a letter automatically given to, uh, in, in Washington, you know, all the, uh, all the priests were told on a certain weekend we're going to have the Project Life Postcard Campaign and we want you to have postcards available for the people to sign, uh, to send to their senator or to override the partial birth abortion ban veto. A couple days later, I get a very similar letter on different stationery from the military archdiocese saying that, you know, we want you to have the Project Life postcard campaign and we want you to, to preach in, in favor of the partial birth abortion ban. And so, you know, the, the two archbishops, the military archbishop and the archbishop of Washington were saying the same thing. No surprise there. Okay, here's a question. What does it mean to be a member of the clergy, but also a member of the armed forces? Like for Father Rigdon, who's the boss, the church or the military? Well, within the church, it was like he had two chains of command. One was the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C., and the other was the military archdiocese. And both were aligned on this issue. They were both aligned with the Catholic Church. So where was the problem? So the problem was with his other chain of command, the strictly military one, the chain of command that governs the chief of chaplains of each military group. And this is where Seamus Hassan, the founder and president emeritus of the Beckett Fund, comes into the story. Seamus left a prestigious career at a prominent D.C. law firm to create the Beckett Fund in 1994. Seamus had his ear to the ground about threats to religious liberty. So when he learned about this Pentagon gag order, he knew that the Beckett Fund had to be involved. The SecDef, Secretary of Defense, had found out that there was going to be this whole program, you know, that the bishops had, had organized. And the, the information went to all the chiefs of chaplains through the appropriate chain of command. I mean, you know, the, the SecDef to the chief of staff of the Air Force to the chief of naval operation down the line to the chief of chaplains of each different military group saying your Catholic priests will not participate in the Project Life postcard campaign. They are not to do this. And the reason this gag order was so troubling to Father Rigdon was that it went against absolutely everything that he had ever known about the military chaplaincy corps. When uh, Seamus showed me this, I mean, I, I immediately thought back to almost the first day in chaplain candidate school when they told us, look, you know, you essentially as chaplains will have two chains of command. One is your military chain of command. You know, we tell you how to, you know, how to wear your uniform. We tell you you can't weigh more than a certain amount of, of, of weight. Uh, you know, we assign you to the different places like that and you know, we promote you and so on. 
you have your, your ecclesiastical chain of command. They tell you what to preach. They tell you about your doctrine. You know, we, you know, one doesn't get involved with the other. So the promise that was made to me, like on the, you know, the first week of chaplain school, was being broken. You know, it says, just a minute, this is not what I signed on for. This is not what I was promised. So the Secretary of Defense put a gag on Catholic priests in the military by telling their superiors to stop a directive from church leadership. Why? They rested on an, uh, a provision that prohibits officers from uh, using their position to encourage troops to go to the polls in favor of a candidate or an issue. That's Eric Treen, currently special counsel for religious discrimination at the Department of Justice. He worked at the Beckett Fund in the early days with Seamus on this case. Well, this was written for candidates, political involvement or ballot issues, and that was the purpose of it. Uh, did not suggest that you can't talk on a social issue. Uh, you know, pretty much any social issue is going to get into the political sphere at some point. I mean, politics. You know, the root of the word, the policy, it's, it's how we live together, right? Social issues will intersect with political issues, and religious issues are among the category of social issues that will be in the public sphere. So what Eric is saying is that the Pentagon was misusing this particular legal provision to stamp out the Catholic Church's campaign. Exactly. But misuse or not, it was happening. And Father Rigdon came to a fork in the road whether or not to challenge this gag order. I'm not really a rabble-rouser by, by nature. I, in fact, you know, the, the thing is, I felt as though, like a child of divorce in a sense. You know, all of a sudden, your mom and your dad are splitting up. All of a sudden, you must choose between your mom and your dad. And the thing is, you love them both. And in a, in a sense, really, it's like the, the Air Force was my father and the church is my mother. And... I didn't like the fact that I had to make a choice, but I did have to make a choice. In the end, he made the life-changing decision to sue the Secretary of Defense. Basically, I, I instituted a lawsuit helped by the Beckett Fund. You know, I couldn't have done it without the Beckett Fund. And, of course, my whole point was, you know, you have changed the rules. You told me, you told, you told all chaplains that you had a religious chain of command, you've got a, a military chain of command, and the two do not meet that the military is not going to tell me how to preach or what subjects to preach about. So the chaplains of other faiths, the Jewish and Muslim chaplains, they realized that they needed to stand up and support Father Rigdon in his challenge. Seamus and I had lunch with Father Rigdon and Rabbi Kay, David Kay, who was one of the plaintiffs. There was an imam there. I don't think he was at that lunch, but we joked come walking out of the restaurant saying, you know, a, a priest, a rabbi, and an imam walked across the street one day. And that was basically our lawsuit, right? It was a very diverse coalition. It's a very interfaith kind of thing because these are people who could see that, okay, this is an issue important to Catholics, but if we cave on this issue for the Catholics, all of a sudden, what about it? It's our issue. Which brings us to the legal arguments in this case. The government suggested that the real problem with this campaign was that the servicemen would be confused. They would think that they had to follow their priest's order to write their congressman to override President Clinton's veto of the act. We argue that that's nonsense. We argued in our briefs and the court agreed that a, a chaplain has rank without command. 
so they are outside of the command structure. There was another legal question. Was this considered politicking? Could this be about electoral politics? Seamus and Eric said no. And their main claim was on the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which Congress had passed only a couple of years before. Well, what we said in the case was uh, that RIFRA, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which applies to all federal government action, uh, and it says that the government may only impose a substantial burden on an individual's religious exercise if it has a compelling governmental interest that's pursued through the least restrictive means. A lot of legal talk, but basically what it means is there's something that meaningfully burdens you, like here, you know, not allowing people to, to hear what their priest wants to say on a religious question. So if they burden your religion, then the government has to have a compelling reason, a really good, strong reason for denying you that and burdening you. And the court agreed here and said, yes, this is a burden and there's no compelling justification. This idea that, you know, it would be seen as a military order, that didn't hold weight with the judge. And then the idea that the ban on politicking by military officers also didn't apply. This wasn't politics in terms of electoral politics. This was speaking out on a social issue. In addition to their RIFRA claim, Seamus and Eric also argued that this gag order constituted unconstitutional viewpoint discrimination under the free speech clause. When you enter the military, you, you obviously give up many of your, your free speech rights, but it's not absolute. And, and one thing you don't give up is the right against viewpoint discrimination. The government cannot say, you're, you're free to speak about this view, but if you take the opposite view, uh, we're going to come down on you with the power of the state. And that's what happened here. The, the court said this is very clearly viewpoint discrimination. There is a, a, a view on this issue that if you pursue this, you will be punished. And, and that cannot stand in our constitutional system. So this case was heard in the Federal District Court for the District of Columbia, and Father Rigdon remembered the day of oral argument as a particularly moving moment. I was proud to be an American citizen. Seamus Hassan was in his prime, and he argued that case, and he is quite a barrister. Even if it wasn't my case, I mean, watching Seamus Hassan argue that case was like watching Secretariat run the Kentucky Derby. I mean, just poetry in motion. This man was born to, to argue in a courtroom. It was just absolutely impressive. And then I remember thinking, as I'm watching this bravura performance, I thought, ah, and he's my lawyer, and he's arguing my case. Did they expect to win against an institution as powerful as the Pentagon? Great question. Anyone who knows Seamus knows that he's a perpetual optimist and someone who doesn't give up easily. I don't know if he was surprised, but he was certainly happy with the win. Seamus is now bravely fighting another battle, this time against Parkinson's disease. He spoke with us recently about the Rigdon against Perry case. Rigdon versus Perry is one of my favorite cases for three reasons. First reason is that when the government threatened court-martial against the chaplains because it didn't like the sermons they were preaching. It shows just how vigilant one must be to defend religious freedom at every moment. Second, we assembled a broad coalition. We had Catholics who were being challenged directly, but we also had evangelicals who were not, a rabbi who was not, and a Muslim uh, 
group that was not. But by defending the rights of each other, we made the argument so much more pro- so much more powerful. The third reason I like it is we won. Father Rigdon, who has no legal training, could tell right away when he read the decision that it was a big victory for military chaplains everywhere. The first time I read it, the dispositive section I can still remember, Judge Sporkin wrote, what we have here is the attempt of the federal government to override the Constitution and the laws of the land. And then he went on for about six more pages in that vein. It was, wow. And because it was such a thorough decision, as Father Rigdon said, it stood the test of time. I will say this, that Judge Sporkin's decision was a very strong First Amendment decision that has been cited many times in law review articles, in in other cases, and uh, not that often you have landmark district court cases, right? It's uh, in our system, everyone looks to the Supreme Court, you don't pay that much attention to the district courts, but there's a lot of wisdom in that decision, and it stood the test of time. So, wow, a huge win. I mean, the United States military and this tiny new law firm wins. They'd only just been founded a couple of years before. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And Eric commented on that. Rigdon v. Perry is really, uh, I I look at it as, I mean, with some pride. We had the most powerful military that's ever existed in the history of the world. And yet it was required to defer to the constitutional principles of freedom and religious tolerance that the nation that it represents stands for. And the idea that you could have such a powerful institution that would listen to the courts as the courts interpret the Constitution and then change its behavior accordingly is really astonishing when you think of it in the abstract. Although Father Rigdon won his legal battle, it came with a cost. I don't want to have uh, you know, essentially given up my career for nothing. I mean, because I, that's essentially what I did was I remember as I signed the, the paper instituting the suit, you know, Seamus had that out for me, and I signed the paper, and I remember my thought as I'm signing the paper. I was, I was up for promotion to full colonel, and I remember thinking, I will never see those eagles, and I never did. It's a really good reminder of the real cost of government infringement on liberties. We can talk all we want about amazing victories and solid court precedents, But when it all comes down to it, it's about the people who put their lives on the line. People who simply want to live their lives and do their jobs according to their conscience. And even when they win, the process of going to court is extremely difficult. It involves a lot of sacrifice, and it can often take a real personal toll on them. But in the end, Father Rigdon said he would do it all over again. I must say that that was one of the central things in my life. Seamus Hassan made it possible for me to have something to, to say, yeah, I did something significant. I'm glad I did. And I still love the church and I still respect the United States Air Force. Thank you to Father Vincent Rigdon, Eric Treen, and Seamus Hassan for participating in today's episode. The Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty is a nonprofit public interest law firm dedicated to defending religious liberty for all. For more information on this case, our work, and stream of conscience, visit our website at beckettlaw.org or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. This is Hannah Smith. 
And I'm Katie Geary. Thanks for joining us.